Well, hello there. This is Louis, aka Louis the French Monette, and I'm here to talk about my podcast channel, Schmozer North. On my podcast channel, we find the Frenchie talks about and the Frenchie watches. On the Frenchie talks about, we talk about anything. We can go from anime to women in priesthood. There's a subject for everyone. And the Frenchie watches is simple. We watch a movie and we deep dive into the psychological meaning of that movie. Uh, So we really try to find a new angle on the movies you love. All right, so go take a look and enjoy. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm Larry Lace. My podcast is Cinema Gold. We talk movie and TV news, as well as review some of the latest movies to hit theaters, while also discussing classic movies. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. I'm so glad that everybody is able to come in and actually chat with us a little bit tonight, do some sweaty uh, nerd stuff and things like that, geeking out over comic book news and everything. And we're going to get really sweaty over this news because of the fact that we have Dr. Octopus returning from Spider-Man 2 into what we want to call the multiverse and everything with Sony. And not only that, but we also have other news that we actually are going to cover. We're going to cover the fact that Andrew Garfield is going to be back as Spider-Man. And then we also have in talks, Tobey Maguire's in talks to come back. Then we also have some Kingsman news. We have Metal Gear Solid news that came out last week that I want to talk about. Because guess what? I was on vacation. Now I'm back. I'm like John Wick being tortured by the Russians. And I am officially back, baby. I am back to do this thing. So, you know, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what other stuff that we have over there, Charlie, that we're actually going to talk about, a matter of fact. Well, we're going to talk this talk about the uh, Christopher Nolan's reaction to uh, Warner Brothers deciding to do uh, multi uh, distribution for both in uh, Warner Brother movies in all of 2021, coming into both in theaters and on HBO Max. Um, some news about uh, Ridley Scott's Gucci biop, and then uh, and a returning uh, confirmation that Ant Man Three is actually happening. All right, so we have an ass load of stuff to get through. So let's go on ahead and go with our first main topic, which is the fact that we had Dr. Octopus coming back again for the second Spider-Man movie. All right, so tell tell us what this article is about. So the article essentially uh, confirms that Alfred Molina is reprising his role as Dr. Octopus for Tom Holland's Spider-Man 3. This is according to the rap. He brings word that Molina, uh, Molina will reprise in his villainous role as Dr. Octopus. Octo Octavius, a.k.a. Doc Op, in the upcoming Spider-Man 3. The la- he last appeared in Sam Raimi's 2004 uh, Oscar-winning movie, Spider-Man 2, starring Tobey Maguire and Kristen Dunst, which personally is my favorite Spider-Man. And um, according to this, Molina's involvement in the project was first reported by GWW after the actor was spotted on set. So Tom Holland will return for the for, for the untitled untitled third Spider-Man film, as well as the Tatikior wall, wall crawlers um, alongside Bender and Cumberbatch Doctor Strange, going up against Jamie Foxx as Electro, and given the ending of Far From Home. However, any a, a, any number of rogues, galleries, are likely eager to for a fight. The third installment will also feature the return of Zendade's uh, MJ and Jacob uh, Bladen as Ned. All right. So here's the thing. I'm actually excited about this. This I can't help but to get sweaty over this. Who would have thought that they would actually try and actually tie this in and do a live action adaptation of the multiverse if this is actually what we're actually going to be getting? Because that's what it actually seems like it's setting up. Even though a couple of months back, Sony actually released the fact that, hey, look, this is actually a rumor. And now it looks like the tables have turned that they might have been keeping something secretive and everything, trying to see if Disney is actually going to let them play in their sandbox again to be able to do this crossover. And I can't help, like I said, I'm excited about this. Not only that, but Doc Ock was actually my favorite villain of the second film with Tobey Maguire as well. And I thought the very first two Spider-Man movies were really good. Tom Holland is a great Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and so was Andrew Garfield in the second film. It was not his fault for what had happened at that time. But, you know, they always go about rebooting, putting different uh, actors and certain roles and everything. So it is what it is for Andrew. But what do you, when you hear about this, man, what, Charlie, what do you think about this? Does this get you excited? Does this actually awesome. do anything for you? 
I think it's awesome. I think it's, it's like we're getting that the multiverse is going to happen, and it kind of looks like it might be leaning into the multiverse because you got Doctor Strange involved, and his the sequel is the Multiverse of Madness, the title. <laughs> You're right. Why would they give it away? Why would Sony give it away? You're right, babe. All right. So... I think it's great though. I think we're, the fact we're getting Doc Oct and like a Spider, like I said, Spider Man Two is my favorite Spider Man movie, and um, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, I personally wasn't a huge fan of Andrew Garfield's Spider Man, that but that's that personally, I just I just thought they were like I don't really need another origin story. I didn't really need right. any of that. I just want to go right into it. And I thought the second one was, I mean, Spider Man Two was awful. But then again, they spoiled the whole movie when they showed an image of what Emma Stone was wearing. <laughs> right. But although we also had to kind of figure that her character was going to be ended anyways because of the fact yeah. that you actually have the Green Lantern, not the Green Lantern, but uh, you actually have the Hobgoblin and all Green that Go in there too. The Green Goblin. Yeah. So you actually have to figure out, hey, look, sure, life is about to be ended. And yeah. they're also but covering the fact that... Okay, sorry. No, 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 no. Go on. Going ahead. I just thought the way they did it—it's not not the ending itself, but it's the way they went a, went about and doing it was kind of like the big oh, like the downer. I agree. It could have amplified a lot more. They could have done a lot more with that instead of it being so cliche and one-dimensional. But mm -hmm. okay, so what won me over with Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man a little bit? I felt like okay in the first movie. He played a good Spider-Man. I didn't sell him as Peter Parker mm -hmm. at all. Second movie, I felt like he trans uh, transformed himself from from that role, where he was actually Peter Parker mm -hmm. and he was also Spider-Man. Especially the way he was actually going off the cuff with his acting and stuff like that, back and forth mm -hmm. and things like that. But I agree with you. We didn't need to see another origin story. We did not need to see Uncle Ben die for the hundred and fiftieth time. We actually get the point. He died. He got shot. P great power becomes great responsibility. We did not need to see the same thing repeated, re very repetitive. No. So I'm glad that Disney and Marvel, whenever they teamed up, mm -hmm. is like, hey, look, we're not doing no origin to this at mm -hmm. all. I'm like, thank God they're not doing that. I'm tired of seeing yep. Uncle Ben die. I'm excited to see him back, though, to see what they're going to do with... Um they're going to do with this one as having him back potentially. So, <laughs> right. And, you know, I think that another thing too, is I think they actually learned though, from doing origin films that you don't actually have to do origin films to films that we already know about characters that we already know about. They can go about it in a smarter way than what they normally do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great that they actually said, you know what, no origin story. We're going in this with another Peter Parker and uncle Ben's already dead. And it's yeah. not repetitive. It feels fresh. It feels new. Even with a younger Aunt May, which is something that was kind of weird at the time. But this whole entire multiverse, right? You know that Sony mm -hmm. wanted to capitalize on it, especially after the fact that it made Buku money at the box office with their animated film. So yeah, get this. Once I saw that animated film, in the back of my head, I didn't say this to anybody, but I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see them trying to work on a live action adaptation of that version or something similar to that mm -hmm. version that we saw in the animated film. Now you said that Emma Stone's rumored to actually uh, come back. According to one of the I read that he's, she's expected to be back for this one, for the new one, Spider-Man three. So I'm like, I could definitely see it happening in <laughs> the multiverse. Same here. I want to see her as Spider-Gwen. I'm excited to actually see her back again. I have a huge crush on Emma Stone as an mm -hmm. actress. She's a very talented actress. She's she's a very beautiful actress. She knows how to actually get those layers in which they need to be layered in. And she's she doesn't phone it in at all when she does her performances. So I'm all for Gwen Stacy coming back again. Um, It's just interesting, at least the other conversation of, like, who else are they going to be able to bring if they're potentially bringing Gwen Stacy back? Because everybody knows she died. Who else are they bringing back? Are they going to be bringing back James Franco, or they're going to bring back uh, Harry? Any any of the like uh, even the 
the bad venom. <laughs> I don't want the bad venom to be honest. I don't want. I, mean, I don't want him anywhere near it. But you know what though? I wouldn't mind seeing Eddie Brock from the Sony verse. That's actually what I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. From, and bring him into it, where it's actually Tom Hardy version of Venom. Yeah, I'd be okay. With so that. that, me too. I think it'll be a fresh take. It'll be something new. Not only that, but it also introduces us to the Sinister Six thing that we didn't get in the second Andrew Garfield movie, which was what no. we were promised in that trailer, and they de- yeah. they completely demolished it by not giving. I mean, it to us. I'm interested if uh, with the the way the Far From Home ended. I'd be interested in if they bring a certain lawyer to help out Peter Parker. I would love to see Ben. I, 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 ben, well, I don't know about Ben Affleck if he would want to come back for that, but I would like to see no, Charlie Cox. <laughs> huh? I was just talking about, uh, I think, the the Netflix Marvel uh, Daredevil yeah. character. I would like to see Charlie Cox come back as Matt Murdock. To be honest with you, because technically the rights are in Sony's territory now. Technically, because their contract loved up. Right. It seems like they are making movies of every Marvel comic you ever love. You're right, baby. They are making um, Marvel movies for every comic book fan and everything. I totally agree with you. Brandy actually said that, and then she said <laughs> James Franco would be a great character to bring back. I agree. I think that bringing James Franco back again would actually add something to it that we might not have seen before. So, but also too, there's also been some time since Franco has actually been a part of this. So I don't know if he would want to come back after all this time. That's another thing. I'm not sure. Um, but like the, uh, this is not one of the articles that we we're going to discuss, but I think it might've been last week was the, they confirmed that Deadpool three is happening. Right. That's something else I wanted to talk about, though, too, was Deadpool R-rated 3. And, yeah, R-rated, and the writers are going to be not the two normal writers. I think it's two women writers, and they, they're, like, Ooh. known for Bob's Burgers. Oh, God, that's going to be insane. Uh, I'm, I'm sold with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Me, too. I'm happy with Ryan Reynolds. As long as I get the same stuntmen and stuff like that, I'm perfectly happy with. I mean, Ryan Reynolds will not let anybody ruin that movie for him, so I I have complete faith in him. (laughs) Same here as well. Um, But yeah, we'll talk a little bit more Deadpool later on. But now, let's go. Wasn't there something about Andrew Garfield and supposedly Tobey Maguire? Well, something around those lines. Yes. So um, we kind of already touched on it about seeing Andrew Garfield back in the uh, Spider-Man Three, but. both Tobey Maguire feel, um, so on the heels of the revelation that Molina's Dr. Ock character would return uh, in months of fan fever for the live-action Spider-Verse, it appears Sony and Marvel are pretty uh, ready for it. Um, reports, uh, Calder reports that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are ready to don the web sleeping suit again for the Tom Holland front of the third Spider-Man movie. While Garfield's casting is currently set, offering him a chance to once again face Jamie Foxx Electro, McGuire is still reportedly is reportedly still in talks with the two studios for his reprisal of his career-defining role, but it should but it should go through. Um, he would be in good company as on-screen love. Kirsten Dunst is also confirmed to return as Mary Jane Watson, while Garfield's screen romantic partner Emma Stone's involvement is currently unknown. Mm. But uh, at the time of this article, right, they didn't mention it. They said expected is Emma Stone's character to be back. Um, right. And then, yeah. So, you know, what do you think about Electro coming back? Because I actually touched on this on the audio only podcast, but I want to get your thoughts on it. I'm not sure. I personally wasn't huge fan mm. of him in the second movie, but then again, the whole second movie was just, it was his had bad news written all over it. So maybe if it's under like Kevin Feek's, control for like under marvel studios i think he could probably do it but like he could probably do it justice but again it's 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 i think the jury's still out for me on that one you see i feel the same way you do about that but uh, but after all i'm also saying this if kevin feige can go on ahead and find something to where the script is good something that jamie fox can actually grab hold of because mm-hmm. jamie fox is a oscar-winning 
actor and everything, especially with Ray and everything else mm -hmm. and able to do the things that he wants to do. And he was poorly executed in the last Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't his fault. It was the writing. It was everything else. Yeah. So if they were able to actually add in those layers and fill in those layers that was supposed to mm -hmm. be in that Andrew Garfield one, I'm sold on it. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to trash Jamie Foxx because Jamie Foxx is an A-list actor. Hold on one second. He's, uh, he's hit or miss for me. I mean, I like him in some movies. Other movies I don't really like. Um, and then the behind-the-scenes issues he's had with some movies, um, um, specifically with Miami Vice. They'd be hearing the behind-the-scenes of how they changed the ending intentionally because of his attitude on set. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. Hey, Larry, how you doing, man? It's good to actually have you on the live feed for once and everything. That's great. I'm glad that you loved uh, Doc Ock. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Jamie Foxx is really good in action films. I have to agree with her on that. But despite the problems on the set and everything, I mean, I learned um, – this is me, though. I can separate myself from the drama that happens on set unless there's yeah. actually friction that actually is causing the film to actually go up fire on it. Yeah. You know? I mean, but I, I, I mean, I'm not bashing by no means. I loved him in Jenga. I thought it was that role was perfect for him. Um, but then again, it's just he's very hit or miss for me. Right, I can understand that. I mean, he, you know, not every actor is going to be for everybody or anything like that. So I totally understand that. Just like how every other movie is not for other people either. So I totally pretty get much. It. Um, so the Andrew Garfield thing is what excites me, and then also too, I want to see a little smack talk between Andrew Garfield. And also between Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind and of funny. I mean... It would. And then maybe both of them break the third wall at the same time. And then they're interacting in the third wall kind of perspective kind of thing. What where, they need uh, to do... Third wall. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Go on. I want to hear your thoughts on I was about that. to say, what they really want to break the, the third wall, especially when we're doing Doctor Strange and Portals, just have Deadpool randomly show up. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'll definitely pay tickets to go see that movie, to be honest with you. I would actually pay for a crossover with that. But I can you know, see it happening. I can see it happening, but he has to be very toned down, though, to the point where yeah. maybe they actually, actually have to maybe bleep out some of his swear words, and he's getting even madder because his words are getting bleeped out. Yeah. You know? So they mm -hmm. could actually go down that route if they actually wanted to. But I could actually see maybe a crossover with Deadpool if they actually wanted to go down that route, if they actually choose to do so. If um, they're going the Spider-Verse, I could see them, uh, unfortunately, uh, take, uh, killing one of the Spider-Mans. So of what they did with the movie into the Spider-Verse, I could see them doing one of that. Hmm. That would be interesting. That would actually raise something. Who would you want killed off in the multiverse? For this movie it can't be tom holland it can't be him <laughs> right so your choice My is guess Andrew Garfield. i think it might be mcguire Ooh, that's true he did get a lot of backlash well i don't know i was just saying because the chris pine character he was the older one um and then and then you had like a younger one i think it was like kind of like jake johnson voice the other one that kind of like just went off the face of the earth like just kind of like off the grid, I could I could see it's either going to be McGuire or it could be Garfield. It's what could be one of those two. It can't be Tom Holland because it's uh, that that that's kind of a, a jerk move. <laughs> right, that would be a douche move though. It's like you know, it'd be funny though. Like at the very end of his contract, it's like okay, let's go in here and kill him off, and then just reboot his character over again. <laughs> that That'd be, be horrible. Really, yeah, that'll be an ass move, but. You know, there was actually rumors, I remember when this was circulating, that he was actually on the set of the very first Venom movie, and that was mm. actually true. But oh, okay. Because of the, yeah. And matter of fact, they were actually going to make this movie rated R at that time. And then they're like, well, you know, Tom Holland does not really fit the R-rated feel to what we're mm -hmm. doing. So we're going to have to drop this down to a PG-13 level. So that's why it was actually PG-13, because they thought maybe Tom Holland might actually be in it, and which also would actually bring in the larger crowd because of the fact it's a PG-13 mm -hmm. movie. But, you know, 
people brought their kids to go see Deadpool for crying out loud. I saw a 10 year old kids seeing Deadpool. <laughs> and I, uh, when Ted came out, I saw a whole family come in during Ted. And I, uh, I worked at a theater at the time. Um, and then I'm like, just like rolling my eyes. I'm like, do you not see the R rating on the poster? Sure, it's in fine print, but the pick the the poster has Seth McFar like Seth McFarlane as Ted and Mark Wahlberg smoking joints, drinking beers, and the R rating is there, and you still took your people. And then again, I saw a family walk in in the opening sequence of Sav- uh, um, Oliver Stone Savages. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's that's really funny, but also kind of sad though too. It's like okay, whatever. I mean, everybody, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> Right. Well, I was 10 years old when I saw the Crow movie, and I also saw right. Bad Boys as a, as a kid as well, so it didn't really do anything to affect me as a kid, you know? But, well, I mean, my, my dad took me took me and my brother when I was in five, fifth grade to see Team America. That was his one regret. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you on that one. Um, so, <laughs> what else do we got? Okay, so the next one is... Um, do you want to talk about uh, Metal Gear Solid? Yeah, we can do Metal Gear Solid, and then we can go into Chris on Christopher Nolan crying. I mean, then we can talk about Christopher Nolan uh, talking about WB a little bit. Okay, so um, All right. the big news regarding that the uh, Metal Gear Solid movie is it lands uh, Oscar Isaac to play Solid Snake. Um, so director Jordan Vogue Roberts has been given uh, – Given fans excited tid, uh, tidbits on Twitter for months, but now as Metal Gear Solid a film adaptation has taken a step forward, as Star Wars franchise alum Oscar Isaac has signed on to play the lead as Solid Snake. Um, uh, so, the, yeah, that that's pretty much the news. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually excited about this. I'm a big, huge fan of the Metal Gear uh, video games. I remember playing the very first one on PS1, even though the very first one actually came out on regular Nintendo on an NES. My very first mm-hmm. introduction into Metal Gear was actually uh, playing the four disc video game as a as a kid, mm-hmm. as a preteen. I love that game and everything. And I, you know what? I was actually thinking to myself during that time, Kurt Russell would be a perfect fit for that role. And everything at that time, but now he's not at that age now to where he could actually do no. that. But he could probably play like an older snake if he if they actually wanted to do go down that route. But you know, Oscar Isaac is a phenomenal actor. Not only that, but he's also been in Star Wars. He's mm-hmm. now going to be Moon, Moon Knight, and now you're telling me he's going to be Middle Gear and Middle Gear. I'm sold. Mm-hmm. Get me tickets to see Moon Knight. Get me tickets <laughs> right now to go see Middle Gear. I'm a huge fan of Metal Gear. I love Metal Gear. Metal Gear is one of those films that is actually adapted to sci-fi, a little bit of war, mm-hmm. a little bit of horror as well. And it's for everybody. They have a little bit of everything for everybody. And that's what I loved about it. It's a spy movie. It's a thriller. Uh, not a spy movie, but it's a spy video game. It's a military video game. It's also combined in with some sci-fi and some action. It's just a phenomenal video game, a great adventure game. Uh, I'm familiar with the game. I personally haven't played any of the Metal Gear Solids. I'm, I know what they are. Um, so it's, uh, I, I, like I said, for me, I'll probably have to see a trailer. Because um, like I said, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I'm familiar with the games. I just never played any of them. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the selfie kind of stuff just didn't interest me. But like I said, once once they start filming and I start seeing trailers, like trailers are usually seen to get me hooked on it. Um, like some video, like, like the Uncharted movie, I'm, I'm pumped for because I love those video games. That's why I'm excited for that one. So. Right. I love the Uncharted video games as well, which also gets me pumped up for it. At first, I'm like, okay, I'm tired of talking about this. Is production ever going to break? Is this ever going to actually happen? And finally, they're breaking production. Finally, stuff is actually happening. Because at the point, I was at the point, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of reporting on this. Every single time I typed out an article, I'm like, Okay, back in production. Oh, never mind. We're not doing production again. Oh, there we go. It's going to happen. No, it's not. I'm like, okay, I'm tired of the back and forth games and everything. I'm just going to wait this out. <laughs> so, but I mean, I'm excited for it. I mean, um, and then the fact that Noah North, the guy that voiced, uh, the actor that voiced Nathan Drake in the games, was on set with Tom Holland and sort of gave his approval. Oh, that's pretty cool. I like that idea of a voice actor giving him 
the okay to do that. Yeah. Um, another thing though too is like I know with the Metal Gear game and stuff like that that you're not that familiar with it or anything like that. I know some people are very hesitant when it comes down to video game uh, movie adaptations because we haven't really had a good one uh, other than that reboot of Tomb Raider that came out. Uh, it's a very small list. I didn't personally. I, I like the game so much better than the movie. <laughs> the movies um, are, all, are not that great. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, the game was great. But the one that was right. But I feel like the new reboot, the new one that they actually did, Captured Lara Croft better than the Angelina Jolie ones. I was more a fan of those. I was more fan of the. Oh, go on. Okay, sorry. Um, I was more of a fan of the Angelina Jolie's ones personally because they just seemed more fun. This one, I mean, like I already knew what was going to happen in this movie because it's the exact plot of the video game I played of the oh. the reboot. So, I mean. Like I said, I'm interested in what they're going to do because of the confirmed sequel. They're, they're already working on it. I'm just interested yeah. how that's going to work. Right. That's something that actually interests me because now they don't have to do something from the playbook. They can actually do their own movie versus yeah. doing a paint-by-the-numbers type of thing. And also, too, what I like about this, too, is like I the only thing that I didn't like about that reboot was Walter Jenkins' uh, character was very one-dimensional to me. For the mm -hmm. for the actor that he is, he deserved so much more screen time. He deserved so much than what he got, you know, mm -hmm. because he's a, he's a good actor. He played in Sons of Anarchy. He played in Justified. He's a good actor who can actually bring a lot of layers to the table, but he was just poorly used in that movie. But I do like the very first Angelina Jolie movie. The second one, not so much. But I like those two. I like the reboot, and I also like the very first introduction into Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. But I just thought it was cool. Those movies we had uh, two big actors, Daniel Craig. Hit, it was in the very first one, and then Gerard yeah. Butler was in the second one. <laughs> That's right. And you know, I remember watching the DVD, and at that time, I didn't realize who Daniel Craig was, and then. Mm -hmm. roll on ahead go to 2006 or 2005 when he was announced as James Bond I'm like who the heck is Daniel Craig so then I was watching uh, this movie watching Tomb Raider again I'm like oh okay that's who Daniel Craig is mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like but <laughs> um, but you know I think Metal Gear is going to be a great hit I, a lot of people are kind of iffy with it because of video game adaptations but I'm willing to give it a shot I mean I didn't like Assassin's Creed I didn't like some of the other video oh, game adaptations it was <laughs> like but, I mean uh, very rare I mean I thought like the more I watched it I think that the Doom one wasn't what I expected but it's it's interesting <laughs> Yes, baby. We are talking about regular Nintendo games at first with the Metal Gear, very first Metal Gear movie, uh, video game from night from the 1980s. I forgot the year that the very first Metal Gear actually came out, but yeah. So, is there anything else that you wanted to add to that topic or anything? No, I think we mentioned it. I mean, we uh, like like I said, like I think they only just announced the director, the director, and then one of the actors. And nothing else has been officially confirmed yet. So no, no, okay. no costume images, nothing like that yet. Okay. So let's go into our next one. Christopher Nolan, then. Yep. <laughs> okay. So this article that just posted is uh Chris Christopher uh like acclaimed director Christopher Nolan. Um, he's not. Happy with what W Warner Brothers HBO Max plans. Um, so essentially, this if you don't know the story, Warner Brothers dropped a bombshell this week when it revealed that the, its entire slate of 2021 films, including the likes of Dune and Godzilla vs. King Kong, also to mention The Matrix 4, is listed in this one too, um, would receive a stimu uh, simultaneous theatrical such HBO Max release. Uh, predictably, Chris Nolan, who has been an advocate for movie theaters, even going as so far as to pen a letter to Congress alongside James Cameron asking for emergency funds, funds um, to aid struggling theater claims was not too happy with the announcement. Um, did you want me to go over the quote? It's uh, <laughs> yeah, go over the two quotes because he did one on Entertainment Tonight and then he did another one after that one. The Hollywood Report. The Hollywood okay. Report. So, so the one from uh, Entertainment Tonight. Um, oh, I mean disbelief especially the way in which they did. There's such controversy around it because they didn't tell anyone. 
2021, they've got some of the top filmmakers in the world. They've got some of the biggest stars in the world who worked for years in some cases on these projects very close to their hearts that are meant to, um, they're meant to be out there for the widest possible audience. And now they're being used as a loss leader for the streaming service for the uh, fledgling streaming service without any consultation. So there's a lot of controversy. It's very, 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 very messy. A real bait and switch. Yeah, it's sort of ha- not how you treat filmmakers and stars and pe- and the pe- and people who these guys have. Uh, these guys have been giving them a lot of, for their project for these projects. They deserve to be consulted and spoken to about what was going to happen to their work. And then he went on to voice his belief that the movie theater experience will bounce back at some point and remain an important part of our ecosystem, but feels that mo- the movie industry is using the pandemic as an excuse for sort of grappling for short-term advantage. And then later in a separate comment, the Hollywood reporter, he commented some of our injuries, industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out that they were working for the worst streaming service. That's debatable. Um, Warner Brothers had an incredible machine for getting that filmmakers work out of everything, both in theaters and and in the home, and they're dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand what they're losing. Their decision makes no economic sense, and even the most casual Wall Street investor can see the difference between disruption and dysfunction. Okay, so my first thing is this. I get the fact that you want the moviegoers to go see your movies, Christopher, and you want other people to go see your movies, but there's a damn virus out there. So you, so there's that that you have to consider and everything, too. But at the same time, though, too, and I've even said this in a movie group, too. I said, Christopher Nolan, well, WB trusts him and trusts him because he makes over a billion dollars when he makes a movie. And he's a great, talented director. Don't get me wrong. He's a great, mm-hmm. uh, great writer, great director. He makes original movies because everybody's like, "Oh, well, they're making us remakes and sequels and stuff." Where's all the original stuff? Well, Christopher Nolan makes original movies. It's not my fault that you don't like those type of original movies, but he makes original movies. But at the same time, Christopher Nolan's an employee for WB. He does not; ha- mm-hmm. they don't have to give you permission on what they want to do with their business or anything. They're a business. They're going to discuss things. It's all po- politics. You're just a little minor thing compared to what they are. Yes, you're Christopher Nolan, the big person that brings in things. Yes, you're part of Legendary and everything with your production company. But you actually have to take a step back for a minute and go through the uh, through the analyzation that there is a virus out there. There's Nobody's making any money off of anything right now. You had trolls that made a humongous drop, a humongous billion dollars with the streaming, with everything, with the rentals and stuff like that. And I understand that you actually feel like that is actually B-rated, B-rated stuff pretty much to him because of the fact that, oh, it's strong streaming, so it can't be that great because it's not in the movie mm-hmm. theater. Times are changing. The way that we see things could change. And yes, I love the movie going experience. I love going to the movie theater, having some popcorn, shoving popcorn in my face, drinking some something to drink, looking at the audience, seeing their reactions. But if there's a way that you can actually incorporate both, where you can actually release a movie on streaming service temporarily for free, and then after a couple of days it disappears, and then you still have the movie theater where you have to go out and see the movie, just like they're doing with Wonder Woman where they're only releasing it overseas, and just mm-hmm. putting it out there, I don't know if you knew that or not, where they were actually going to release it on HBO Max, and then after a couple of days, it's going to be gone. Versus them I keeping saw that it up too, there. Yeah. So, what, do you, what are your thoughts on it? I can see his side. I mean, I can see him being disappointed about, like, if Warner Brothers, like, because I said, if he's an employee, they should be able to communicate, let them know we're going to be doing this. But this is right. not, like, this is not, like, so I'd say... <sighs> I say it's the blame is like not just on Nolan for like him being mad, but Warner Brothers should be telling your employees of what's sure. going on. Um, because like I said, this is only short term and I think it's only about a month on HBO Max. I think that's what I read. But it's like I can see Warner Brothers side to it too, because it's like okay. like like I said, I mean, theaters that to stay open, they're losing money by staying open. 
That's why Regal right. Cinema is closed all over the world because they, they saw the, the, the long game and says, okay, short term, yeah, we can take a hit a little bit, but we know there, there's a virus, there's a vaccine coming. Like I said, like the theater experience, everybody's freaking out. I don't think the I don't believe the theater experience is going to be dead. It's not dying. No. It's this. No. This is just on a, a small hiatus. Once we get back to some sense of normalcy, people will go back to the theaters. But it just we're, at this point, Warner Brothers was thinking, okay, short term, the next first couple of months in next year, we don't know what it's going to be like. So they're preparing as if the theaters won't be open. So that's why they're, they, they, they flat out said, okay, it's better to just announce something now and then they can always backtrack later if they have to, if they choose to. Mm-hmm. But like I, I said, like come summertime, come summertime, I think, like I said, I think there might be, I'm, I'm hoping for some sense of normal where the big movies, Warner Brothers big ones are coming out. And then we don't even know what next December is going to be like because that's when they, the next Matrix is supposed to be out. Right. So things are going to be changing. So I think right now everybody's just freaking out. But I think everybody's like, let's just, let's just take a step back and just look, uh, uh, just look at it like what from their perspective, saying, okay, we don't know what the future is going to be like, so that's why we're preparing as if, and then we can always, we can always adjust later, and then like, right. and I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I agree with you on that. Um, another thing though too that I want to actually touch on was the fact that I feel like. You know, they there's other ways that they can go about it, and and also mm-hmm. too, AMC theaters is also pissed off at the fact that they're releasing stuff on HBO Max as well. But AMC theaters is also a billion dollars in the hole even before the virus even took place. Yeah, I mean they they're they're bankrupt, and then like I said, right. I think maybe like they need to change up their policies. They're just mad because. If they close, they're closed for good. When other places have yeah. the chance to, like Regal, that 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 that's like doing really well. Um, that I know of, that's doing well. They can close because they they want to be able to like, okay, we can't. That there's nothing. There's no um, continuous movies out there. We're gonna we're gonna close, and then we're gonna let you know when we're back open. Once like there's multiple movies out there that gives people options if they want to. But AMC is just mad because they know they know they know they're goners, and somebody will be buying them up soon. Right. And is there like is there anything else that you want to touch on that subject? Or no, I think we hit yeah. it on. It's like just some directors are angry, but I think everybody just needs to just take back and just just stay healthy and just stay this this stay the course and just calm down a little bit because we're all jumping the conclusions and we don't know what the future is going to hold. Right. And just one more thing I wanted to add though, too. Okay. So you still have movies that was supposed to be released for this year, right? So with mm-hmm. them releasing the, these movies on streaming, it kind of loosens things up a little bit. It has a little bit of breathing room for the new movies for 2021 to come in mixed in with yeah. a little bit of 2020. Especially when you have Candyman coming out, you have the new Saw movie coming out, you have some other films coming out though too. So it creates yeah. a little bit of breathing room for your business to where you're not piled yeah. up with all these movies with nowhere to go. So at least it'll actually have an audience versus not having an audience at all. Yeah, like the one other thing I want to touch on is from what Nolan was talking about about him kind of like taking a shot at HBO Max. HBO Max just started in May. They just started. <laughs> Give them some time to, like, like you said. I mean, what they're at least they're not pulling a Disney Plus and making you spend thirty dollars just to rent a new movie. No, it's free, and they're coming up with like, and they, it's take it's going to take time for a streaming service that and HBO Max. I'm a, I love it so far. I think it's great. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't watched a lot of the new stuff on it, but I'm I'm going to be watching Wonder Woman. Yeah, like Same I mean, here. I think Thank I think. You. Um, like I guess I think HBO Max is just gonna start striving soon. I mean, they're just they just started like about a, almost five months ago. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> they started in May, and it's gonna take time for their shows to come aboard. And then the fact that they can get Warner Brother movies that's huge for them, and that's gonna make people want to that. And then the, the other interesting thing is they took away the free trial option because they want you to actually get money for Warner Woman, but they're not pulling the Disney Plus by no. making you spend money. Exactly. $30 versus what? Six bucks 
for their streaming service? Yeah. Come on. I mean, you don't even get to keep it, too. Right. You don't even get to keep it. If $30 for 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, yeah, I'd buy If I could keep it, yeah, I'd buy it. <laughs> right. Hell yeah. All right. So uh, let's go on with our next one. All right. Okay, the next one is um, Matthew Vaughn. He's gonna be. He's currently developing seven more Kingsman movies. So okay. um, late, late, yeah. So last August, Kingsman director and franchise creator Matthew Vaughn confirmed that he is indeed planning for a third Taron Edgerton-led Kingsman movie with the upcoming prequel, The Kingsman, setting up the events for the threequel. However, it looks like this and that isn't the only project that Vaughn is currently developing with Marv, CEO. Um, Ziggy Kamasa, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, revealing that the English filmmaker will continue to expand the action spy franchise with plans for seven more Kingsman movies. Um, and then so in a recent appearance at the Winston, uh, the, the, the CEO explained that the continued development of Kingsman-related project is part of Mars' expansion plans on top of the potential seven films. He can also confirm they're developing a Kingsman TV series. And he said... We want to grow the business and the output. We have a Kingsman TV series in the works, and there are two, two, three. Uh, there are two to three other franchises that are being developed alongside the Kingsman world. Mm. Okay, so I know you love this franchise. I want you to talk about it first, and then I'll go into my thoughts. Okay, so if anybody hasn't seen the Kingsman movies, I highly recommend you should definitely watch it, especially the first one, which has the most controversial talked about at insane action sequences that i've ever seen in movies how they film this oh my god <laughs> um so anyway um the kingsman franchise it's like kind of like sort of like a uh, it's sort of like a it's a comedy but it's an action spy movie that's got a lot of comedy elements and it's kind of taking shots at the james bond franchise this just as that it stars taron edgerton as eggsy who um who uh, who who gets brought up? Uh, gets recruited by Henry uh, Harry Hart, which is played by Colin Firth, and he gets recruited to the Kingsmen, which is a bunch of like um, like very fancy spies, and they got all these cool gadgets. First one was great, second one was entertaining, um, but didn't have that great element as the first one did, but it's still good. But I personally am pumped for the third movie, um, and then again, I'm not going to mention anymore because it'll go into spoil territory. <laughs> okay. So, what do you think about the prequel idea? Oh, I'm excited for it. I think it looks kind of cool. Especially okay. the introduction of the parachute. <laughs> okay. So, here's the thing. I'm sold. I'm on board for the prequel. The first movie I loved, even though these are actually based off graphic novels. Um, yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, it's cool. It's fine. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. I like the first movie. I like the originality behind it. I like Mark Hamill in this film, even though he was only in it for five minutes of the film. Samuel L. Jackson was a good bad guy. His motivation was there. I really liked mm -hmm. it, especially when the heads are actually exploding at the very end. Yeah. Right. But get this, though. I actually liked also, too, the spy, the stuff that they're making fun of, kind of with the James Bond stuff. Yeah. I also like the whole entire thing that there's actually a tailor's uh, mm -hmm. place where you can actually try on these clothes and stuff like that. But it's actually an underground thing for these secret service men to actually go in and get guns and stuff like that. There's actually something just special about that. But I yeah. love the controversial church scene playing Freebird while yeah. everybody else is getting killed. Mm -hmm. That was actually that was my favorite scene in the whole entire movie. It was actually a perfect placement of music. Now, yes, with the second film, I didn't really care for that one that much, but I loved aspects of it. I didn't like it as a whole like I did with the Kingsman, but I liked Elton John's role in that. Though, yes, Elton jo John stole the show in the second film. And I think Shanahan, I had a part. What's that? I said, I think, I think Ellen John's role in that kind of had a part of, uh, that's where you got to meet Ed Taron Edgerton. I think that's how the two of them kind of decided to do Rocket Man. <laughs> Which is actually perfect. I mean, they were perfect for Rocket Man. Rocket Man's a great film. Matter of fact, you can actually catch the review for Rocket Man and Timika and I did on the audio only podcast if you actually want to check that one out. But, you know, um, I really, like I said, I enjoyed aspects of the second film. Didn't love it as a whole. I didn't like, uh, 
what's his name from Magic Mike. I didn't like. I don't like him as an actor, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I uh, didn't like Holly Berry in the film. To me, those two characters actually felt forced rather than something that was actually, mm-hmm. um, something that was actually something that was actually good. But I thought know, her name was funny. Her oh, name yeah. Ginger. Oh. Yeah, I do fish. like that fact. Right, I like the fact in Texas everybody's named after a certain uh, alcoholic drink yeah. or mm-hmm. beverage. So I like that. Hold on one second. Uh, Brandy said it may uh, maybe sometime before movie theaters can reopen. Okay, yeah, she's on that thing uh, part with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's definitely going to be sometime before movie theaters can reopen again. And a matter of fact, I'm not going to be there with my hazmat suit or anything like that. I'm going to be waiting until this thing actually clears. Yeah. So. Anyways, back to King, back to the Kingsman thing. Um, but like I said, I'm sold on the prequel. I'm iffy on the sequels, though, because I don't know which direction that they can actually go in. I never read the graphic novels. I don't know exactly the motivations that they can actually use for the other films. I'm excited for the sequels. I love the like. I thought the second one was entertaining. Sure, it wasn't great as the first, but the it was just entertaining. Right. I mean. That was the first time I ever saw Pedro Pascal in a role as uh, Tex, um, as the bad guy. I thought that was pretty cool. And Julian Morris is a great villain. There's these, there's certain actors and actresses that are great at being villains, and I thought she was great in that too. But and but uh, especially the uh, the grinder that was. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I still remember that grinder scene. That op- that matter of fact, I don't know if that was like the opening scene or whatever. But that was like the scene to where, you know, you can actually tell that she actually meant business. Yeah. Um, you know? And then, and then um, I'm like, like, as I'm excited for the third one, the, the, the see the, uh, see that the chemistry continue between uh, Harry and, uh, so when I say that, spoilers. Because, <laughs> yeah, well, if you haven't seen this, Okay, so anyway, so like the, the continue the chemistry between Harry and Eggsy, um, and I'm, I'm just interested to see where it goes, and especially since the prequel sort of leads into the new one, the third one, which I'm intrigued on. I'm 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 gonna be inter- I'm gonna be a little optimistic, but you know, right now, without a trailer, without any details of what it is, I'm kind of like on the fence with fifty fifty. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Brandy said Netflix has some really good, decent movies lately too, especially for the holidays. Yeah, they do. They have a pretty good, decent catalog for what they have. I watched Over the Moon and Christmas Chronicles one and two, and things like the that. The summer had some great ones from Netflix. They they knocked it out of the park with Extraction. Extraction was awesome. And then <laughs> I know? thought the and then, yeah, that was great. And then the Charlie Staring and the Old Guard was just mm-hmm. great too. She she's just a badass. She is. She is a badass. You know, uh, we're going to have to do a Charlie's Thyron, uh, just a top five list of movies that she's been in that I really enjoy. <laughs> you know, I think Netflix also was is the one that bought this the rights to the Atomic Blonde sequel. Yeah, I didn't really care for that one that much. I felt like it was like a two oh, and a half hour music video. <laughs> I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. I felt the the way that like I love the director since he 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 worked with the John Wicks and he still had that style. I thought it was, it was an entertaining spy movie, not your typical one, but it was entertaining. Right. I can actually say this though: the stunt work was good, the placement of the music not so much on certain things. Jingle jingle. Oh. NBA DOS Jingle Jangle was great. I do have to say, I did I did see Jingle Jangle. Jingle Jangle was really good for a good Christmas movie and stuff like that as well. Atomic Blonde <laughs> Atomic Blonde was trash. <laughs> well, all film is subjective, you know. There's movies that, you know, whenever Charlie's actually doing reviews on on stuff on the page, I even question myself, I'm like, really? But I'm like, okay. You know, you like that film. That's great. I'm glad that you enjoyed it and appreciate it. That's why I like the diversity that I have on the page and everything, too, where we're not all agreeing on the same thing. So that actually makes it uh, that much that much great. So I mean, I hate, I hate a bunch of movies that a lot of people like. So it's just it's just that's right. just 
might whatever I'm looking forward to. Um, but right, I guess with that leads uh, that the next uh, topic about Ridley Scott directing the Gucci movie. Um, so as the but the biop adds Jeremy uh, Jeremy Irons to the cast. So uh, so in this movie so far, after lining up Al Pacino and a number of F other A-list performers to join Lady Gaga and Ridley Scott's Gucci. The cast has grown even further with the addition of the Emmy-nominated Emmy Watchmen star Jeremy Irons, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Um, so the other people that are in this movie are Pacino, Adam Driver, Jack Houston, Jared Leto, and Reeve Carney. Rollin talks the star in the film with Driver being eyed for the Maurizio Gucci and that De Niro was in talks to portray uh, the uh, Maurizio's father, though those proved to be misinformed as Irons has signed on for the role. Huh. Not sure. Not sure what to think about this one. I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of biops. Um, I like biops. I mean, but okay, I mean, the last all-star movie I saw from Ridley Scott, he directed The Counselor, and that had all the. They had all the had all the whining to be a great movie and then the ending happened and then I was just like just screaming what did I just watch well, they cannot end it that way you see I'm okay with Ridley Scott as long as he doesn't touch another alien movie but <laughs> you know but I'm okay with him doing like something like the Martian or a biopic yeah. and you know I'm sold I'm on board with that but do not let this man yeah. go and get another alien movie together <laughs> or anything like that because I didn't care for the, like the last alien movie, just like you said. You know, well, like I said, the Ice of the Counselor that was the one he oh, directed. Um, okay, I was like you said, I mean, when if you got a lineup of Penelope Cruz, um, Michael Fassbender, I think it was Javier Bardem, and Brad Pitt in a movie, I expected it to be. At least entertaining. I was like just angry the whole time watching that movie. I was like, "Oh my god, it cannot!" And then, then I found out who wrote it. I'm like, "Oh, I know why. That's why it has a, a, one of those worst endings." My question is this: Is it as bad as Battlefield Earth? For me, it probably is right up there. <laughs> oh God. Okay, <laughs> but I'm gonna have to check um, so that one out. I never saw that. Tips to anybody. Tips to anybody that likes a good happy ending. Avoid anything that has a writer involved called Cormac McCarthy. I think he wrote the ending to the movie The Road with Viggo Mortensen. I think. I don't know. It's it, like I guess that I. Anytime I see him, I avoid it because I know I'm going to bad ending. <laughs> <laughs> but what has me on board is Jeremy Irons. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jeremy Irons sells me on anything that he's in because he always gives us 110%. Yeah, I thought he was great yeah. as Alfred in the Dawn of Justice and or the right. Ben, the, right. ben stuff, yeah. And he was good as, totally. as Hans Gruber's brother. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that adding Jeremy Irons to it, it's never too late to actually add talent to your list of actors that or mm -hmm. actresses that you want to add into your movie so having jeremy irons in there and everything i'm totally sold on it biopics for me with that uh with him with this uh, with uh ridley scott i'm all for it because of the fact that he actually gave us something good with the martian and everything yeah that was a good movie but, yeah it's the martian was actually one of my favorites yeah <laughs> it was not no comedy that's for sure regardless of no, what no so like I said, I have oh. to wait and see, like wait and see what I see trailers or something like that. It's hard to tell now, but it's like I just like it is now. It's like I don't get my hopes up for something because that's happened to me before and I've gotten burned. <laughs> right. Um. What else do we have though? Um. The last one is um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer who played uh Janet Van Dyne in the uh, Ant Man and the Wasp uh, sequel, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp movie. So um, she says she's back for Ant Man three, and it's supposed to be a spring of twenty twenty one. Let me see. Um, she she confirmed the news during an appearance on the Ladies First with Laura Brown podcast. However, she declined to share any specific details about the sequel or if Janet would return to the quantum realm. Um, Fe um, Pfeiffer also said the filming will begin in spring of twenty twenty one. 
And then her character previously appeared in Ant-Man the Wasp and as a cameo in, in Endgame. Um, and they said Paul Rudd and eventually Lily will once again share top billing as Scott Lane slash Ant-Man and Hope Van Dyne, respectively. Accordingly, Michael Douglas will presumably be back as well. Michael Pena, uh, Tip T.I. Harris, and David Dashamashlian, oh, sorry if I butchered your name, seem likely to return, but have not been confirmed. And mm-hmm. that David, uh, Delash, he'll, the next movie he'll be seen in, he's the Polka Dot Man in the, the James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. That's actually something I'm looking forward to is the Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn directed. Um, that looks great. Yeah, it does look fun. It looks great. James Gunn see, actually knows his tone. I want to see John Cena's douchebag Captain America character, the Peacemaker. <laughs> the only thing is, no one's going to see him. <laughs> Probably but, not. No. But, you got um, busy here. But back to Sharon Stone, though, to me, that character. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, sorry. I got yeah, uh, for some reason I always get them yeah, mixed, no mixed up sometimes. <laughs> but her character was very forgettable. I forgot what even happened to her character at the very end of that movie of the second film. She was mainly in the quantum realm. Um, Michael Douglas character um uh um Hank Pym um found him. I found her in the quantum realm, brought her back, and then it was very brief. It was only the ending she showed up in it. And then um and then they're trying to get um like some more, I like more of this um, quantum thing. I forgot what it was. It's been a while since I saw oh, yeah. it. And then, okay. and, and then that's when they got blipped. And that's how that's uh, Scott Print. That's how Scott ended up in the quantum realm until it, somebody saved him in an end, end game. So <laughs> right, she was in minor. Yeah, only minor. Okay. So I'm okay with her as long as she has like a larger role in this than where she was before. Yeah, because her stuff was like very minor, and once again, it's all about the fact that you have an A-list actor and or mm-hmm. actress in a movie, and then you're gonna totally debauch them and make them into a smaller role when they were they were designed probably for something bigger than what you actually gave them. Like look 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 what happened to Anthony Hopkins, for example. He was actually in the Transformers movie. Yeah, and everything. And I didn't see that movie because I'm done with Transformers. But he was underutilized as as an actor in that movie. So is Paul Giamatti in the last Spider-Man movie? Yep, as Rhino. That's true. I forgot about Paul Giamatti. You see, that's how bad that's that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. You want to actually give a performance that everybody can actually remember. Hey, you remember when Paul Giamatti was actually Rhino? Yeah, he gave that perf- the, one of the best performances. And then all of a sudden, it's just total shit if it's just if they missed the target and everything, and mm-hmm. nobody even remembers because you want to actually remember that somebody that's like an A-list actor like Paul Giamatti was even in that movie, and to know that mm-hmm. he was actually forgettable is that makes me sad to be honest. Um. Let's see here. NBA DOS says Jeremy Iron is a top tier actor. I agree. He was Scar for crying out loud. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you get to work with Bruce Willis on a Die Hard movie, you're, you should be pretty good. <laughs> right. But that's pretty much all that I wanted to actually touch base on as far as the movie news topics and things like mm-hmm. that go. But also, too, I want to actually mention this. Charlie and I will be back on Friday night at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Pacific Time. And we're actually doing a Dexter after show. As a matter of fact, it's actually titled The Dark Passenger, a, Doctor, uh, a Dexter Morgan after show. We're going to be doing that. Tomorrow night, I actually have Rossi McCree with me. We're going to be reviewing Scarface. And this is actually part of our little mafia talk um episodes and everything and then mike perkins not the comedian that that was on with me talking about swingers but one of my good friends have been doing the sopranos uh seasons and we're going to be talking about season four of the sopranos coming up on on monday and that's actually going to be part of the audio only podcast and it doesn't actually have a set time on when that's actually being uploaded or anything like that we normally uh set up around eight o'clock central time and then it's uploaded around nine o'clock so i I would say maybe about 10 or 11 you should have it on all the other platforms if that actually makes sense 
Um, another thing too, guys, we actually have a GoFundMe page. You can actually find that in the links links below. If you don't see it at the links below, it'll be added in later on after the after the show, or you can actually go into like the last episode and find the links there. And we also have a place that for all your entertainment pleasures called www.movieloversunite.com. And we also ha have an Instagram, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. And of course, where Charlie is and I are at is Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook. You can actually find us over there all the time, posting memes, posting reviews. Also, too, we also have a Twitter page called Movie Lovers Unit. I could not afford the East, apparently, because of the fact that I was only so many allowed so many characters. So it's Movie Lovers Unit that you can actually find, find me on. And our John DiGorio 8 on Twitter. And we also have a Pinterest at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. So those are all the places that you can actually reach us at and follow us at. Another thing, too, is you can find all our audio-only podcasts on all the platforms that you can actually think of. Amazon Music, Spreaker is also our new one. We also have, of course, Anchor and Google Podcasts and Spotify. So... That's going to do it for tonight. I hope that you guys enjoy the show. Always until next time, guys, stay safe. Disinfect your hands. Don't wear a hazmat suit over to the movie theaters. If there's a virus out there, guys. And until next time, bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 